It's not you, you're not damaged. It's just you're focusing on something that's keeping you here. With entrepreneurs who start off, they try different business strategies. They're like, all right, I'm gonna try e-commerce now, I'm gonna try trading, I'm gonna try coaching. Like, oh, none of this shit works. You know, it, it, it's, it's that, that's the problem. That's not the problem. The problem you're not admitting is your, it's, it's your focus. So the way in which we do this is it, it's, it's a slow process, right? It comes through years and years of you living up to your word, you showing yourself, hey, I said I was gonna do this and I did this. Therefore, I am this person. I respect myself. But people don't have that because they have been living through someone else's orders. Welcome to the Ravi Abuvala Show, where we show you how you can build a business that produces cash without you so you can live the life you deserve. So Quasi, I ask every single person in here the exact same first question. What is one of the best decisions or systems you've put in place in your multi-seven-figure business that made everything else easier? I would honestly say it's, I was very fortunate to get into YouTube, like a long-term platform with something like, you know, that, that has such a long-term potential. Sure. Like YouTube. Because what I see with a lot of people in, in this space, in the coaching space particularly, is um, they scurry around like Facebook and stuff and they can't, they have trouble. Like a lot of beginner entrepreneurs, especially beginner coaches who are like mid, sub, seven figures, like they're pretty much stuck like early six figures, like sure. 10, 15K a month. They can't consistently generate leads, right? And that's because they don't have like a system that's consistently bringing them month after month and without them having to put in a lot of work. Yeah. Right. So even if I were to quit, my YouTube channel would keep growing keep at this you bringing point. Clients. Right. Because it's past the escape velocity. Is that the main source of client acquisition for you right now is YouTube yeah. Organic? Mm -hmm. I love that. And yeah, yeah, if anybody's been listening to this or anybody knows me, I'm super bullish on YouTube as well. I think yeah. it's huge for the future. And so how long ago, so like um when did you, what year did you build the, start the business? And then when did you start the YouTube channel? Was the business, was the YouTube channel before the business? This is a great question. Um, I started the YouTube channel December 31st, 2017 as a new year's resolution. And I had no fucking clue <laughs> what I would do with that channel. Because at that time I was a junior in college and I was looking at my life and I was like, holy shit, for the next 40 years of my life, am I going to do this shitty engineering job? Is that and, what you were an engineer before? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was studying engineering in college. And I was just so frustrated. I was like, and I had two friends at the time, Arlen and Raphael. And they were, one was a college dropout. Raphael was a college dropout, had his own e-com store, keeping the story short. <laughs> um, and he was traveling the world making 10K a month. And when you're like 19, making like six figures is yeah, a big you're a millionaire. fucking deal, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, my buddy Arlen was doing the same thing. He had a, YouTube, both of them had a YouTube channel, right? So I was like, what do they have in common? Ah, a YouTube channel. Okay, maybe I can like sell merch or something. So I just started the YouTube channel. Is it the same sharing. one you have right now? Mm -hmm. So were you, what were you talking about in the, some of those original videos? Literally, I was talking about the same shit I talk about now. It's like really? manifestation, personal development, okay. because that's what I was always passionate about. You know, just leveling up and becoming a little bit better every day. Sure. So yeah, interesting. And and when you were first making those videos, obviously you didn't have the intention like, all right, I'm gonna sell something. But you did know that having the YouTube channel would maybe eventually lead you to making more money because your friends are doing it. Yeah, exactly. And back then, I had no idea what this influencer world was. I don't think it even existed like in such to such a heavy extent. Oh yeah, sure. You know, like 
And now I understand the value of having an audience. Yeah, and having attention. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I love… You're the first one that said YouTube uh, out of all the questions. Mm. Um, I, you're, you and Bashar are so similar that I thought that you were going to say… His… I, I knew already, but his was simplicity. His was uh, Sim- yeah. making everything simpler. Yeah. And um, I… I thought that you were going to say the same thing, but I got to say, man, I'm super excited for this podcast today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is Quasi, um, runs an amazing multi- multiple seven-figure uh, company, helping essentially people level up through manifestation, correct? Is that a good way? Okay. And um, and I, him and I met on a boat uh, at Bashar's. As you do yeah, in Miami. As you do in Miami, right? <laughs> as you do in Miami. Him and I met on a boat at uh, one of our good buddy Bashar, who I also have on this podcast, Epic Podcast. I recommend you guys listen to that as well. And then hit it off really well, invited you to my house here, and um, you came here. And I'm... Dude, I love your content on YouTube. I've watched a bunch of it, even before I met you. That's why oh, yeah. I, that's how I knew who you were whenever we were on that boat. And I loved your content on YouTube. And um, I'm very excited to kind of talk a little bit more about what it's like running a multiple seven-figure coaching business, uh, especially as leanly and as profitably as you do. So I want to go a little bit deeper on the YouTube side of things. So we kind of talked about right before we went on camera here a little bit about our content systems, how we do content, we batch it, that kind of stuff. And you were talking about you like to do a little more organically and you kind of do as the idea comes to you. So, you know, talk to me through what is your rough organic system? Is it all YouTube? How often do you do it? How do you come up with YouTube video ideas? Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, so this process has changed a lot and it's obviously under experimentation. But I'll tell you what I've been doing for like most of my career, like for the past four years that I've had the business. So... 80, we have an 80-20 system. So when I started off, 100% of the clients were coming from YouTube and my biggest expense was Kajabi. Yeah. <laughs> like paying like $500 a month or $300 a month to, to have my ho- website hosting and like, you know, host my funnel and everything. Um, but then we moved to ads because I just wanted to like test it out and see how it was doing and it stuck. And so we use it for retargeting and just filling gaps in the pipeline. So now 80% of our revenue comes from YouTube and 20% from ads. And is the ads ads cold or is the ad just retargeting? Cold. Okay. So there's cold and there's retargeting. Got it. Yeah. Um, So there's that. In terms of video idea, uh, I usually like ideas come to me throughout the day when I'm just living life because that's that's how it happens in person. At least least for me. I, I used to be big on like, all right, let me read a book and let me get something and see what people want. Yeah. But then I just didn't find that that was organic. Okay. You know, it was more like I'm, I'm forcing myself to like think about something that people want. Because I've always looked at it this way. It's like you burn out when you're trying to serve other people. Like you're trying to people please. Then you, you neglect yourself. But then when you do too much of like, oh, what do I want to do? You become a diva and like no one cares about what you're selling, you know. And then you become famous like posthumously, like after your death. Um, but the sweet spot lies in between that. What do people want? What do I want to talk about? So how can I meet them in the middle? So that's what I've been focusing on doing. So that's like one way in which we do that is, you know, make a really, like you see Homozy do this. Yeah. Make a really clickbaity title and thumbnail. But then when you get into the video, it's Talk nothing. Talk about whatever like, you want to yeah, say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, was selling, I was selling Jack that. I was like, that's what Homozy does really well. He yeah. creates a title and a thumbnail that appeals to literally every single person. Mm-hmm. It's a mass appeal. But then the video is some of the best quality business content you could ever see. 100%. And and that that's why it's so good. And I... You know, that's something we've been trying to do with our content, like make it very just valuable. Like how can I give as much as I can? Is mo- are are most of your followers and views browse or search space? Uh, browse. browse. Browse features. Yeah. 
Yeah, like how many eight, subs do you have right now? Uh, two hundred and five thousand. That's epic. That's amazing. Cool. And when did you start the channel? Twenty seventeen. You said twenty seventeen. Okay. So, and when did, did have you seen like hockey stick growth? Has yeah. it just been consider like like consistent the whole time? It's been like hockey stick down, hockey stick down, <laughs> hockey stick down. So it's like it's just like overall, it, you know, it's linear up. But then if you look at little spans in time, there's obviously little periods and there's bursts because there's trends going on. People yeah. are all of a sudden people are making videos on subconscious mind now or all of a sudden people are talking about this one like guy like Neville Goddard so right now that's what's going on okay yeah and so when you see the trends like you're like cool how can I then play this trend towards a YouTube video that's also in line with my offer essentially pretty much like how can I get people who are on this trend into my world okay give them what they want uh, sell them what they want, give them, what, give they them need. what they need. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I love it. I love it. And uh, I want to go a little bit deeper into like reality mastery, right? Which is your program and your offer. So who is the ideal avatar? Like what do you exactly uh, do that, do for them or teach for them? Because I want to kind of pull some nuggets out of you. Got it. Uh, because I had my good buddy, John Whiting on here as well, who, who gave some amazing mindset like tips. And I don't want to, I hate using the words hacks or, or tricks because it's like, you know, I don't expect you to be like giving us a trick and everybody's going to be like a millionaire Whoa. overnight. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but I, it was like some real eye-opening stuff, some foundational right. stuff. So can you walk us through a little bit about what reality mastery is essentially? So reality mastery is basically this, this process we take entrepreneurs. I like to call them entrepreneurs and they can be established or aspiring entrepreneurs. Got it. And I came up with this whole process because that that's what helped me go from like where I was uh, four years ago, this frustrated like employee, like feeling no control over my life into becoming this entrepreneur and living literally the life that I want to live. Like it, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I couldn't have expected it, you know? Um, so I made that program and I realized like what is, because I always ask myself, what's what's the foundation? Like what's the crux? What's the one thing? That's the, the big domino that makes the, the change happen in someone's life. And I've always found out that it's not the actions, just the actions that we take. It's not the thoughts that we think. It's not the feelings that we feel. It's not the beliefs that we have per se, but it's rather like what our identity is, like how we view ourselves in relationship to the world around us. If you view yourself as someone who is not capable of doing something, you're not going to try it. And an analogy I like to use is if I go into like, you know, I used to live in an apartment and there would be like a mail room where you get boxes delivered, right? Packages. And if I go into that room and I'm uncertain whether or not the box is there, I'm going to half-heartedly look for it. But then if I, you know, when I was coming out of it, I was looking at my phone. I got a notification from Amazon. The box is definitely delivered. My search takes on a different level of conviction. Wow. Right? So if I have that level of conviction that, hey, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I am capable. The world is, it, this is the right time, recession or not, whatever happens, like there is a possibility. Then, you know, it's just my actions take on a different level of conviction. So how can we get people to get to that level of conviction within themselves, about themselves and the world around them so that the actions become like, you know, this is, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of being patient and, and sticking with it. That's what, honestly one of my favorite words is conviction. I I, I love it. Uh, conviction in everything you do. And one of my favorite sayings is how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And and it's 
actually kind of weird, Quasi, that you just brought up that story example because literally right before you came here, I was like, yo, Jack, I got to go downstairs. Um, I'll be right back because I'm waiting for this airplane part for my plane um, to come in. And so it hadn't hit my lobby, which it usually does. So I was like, oh, let me just go down to receiving downstairs. But I didn't actually know if it was there or not. Right. So I go down there and I'm like talking to her and she's like, well, did, what did it say it was delivered? I was like, I mean, I don't know if it really said it was delivered. And she's like, well, it might not have been delivered yet. I was like, yeah, it might not have been delivered yet. And I just turned around and walked <laughs> right, back upstairs. Right. And it's so true. I literally had like zero conviction where there's been other times that I went down there and I'm just like, no. No, it said that like Raul signed for this thing. Here's the example of it. And, there you and go. so that's what you're talking about is having that conviction coming into your day to day. Exactly. Interesting. And is this like, is a conviction on small things? Is a conviction on like big things in their life? Is a conviction on everything? What is it that like, where are people primarily getting bottlenecks that you're helping them create this conviction around? Yeah. So usually what happens is we get so distracted by the outer world and the current state of things. What most people are doing right now is they're trying to change their current situation when we look around us and we're dissatisfied with our environment. You know, when I was at that job that I didn't like, if I kept focusing on that, we keep feeding what currently is. We're resisting. We're trying to change what is. It's never effective to change something. What I've found is it's, it's, it's more effective to accept what is right now. And by accepting something fully, you're relinquishing the energy you, you give it, Right. And then more energy becomes freed up for me to focus on what do I want instead? What do I choose for my life instead in the next moment? So this is what entrepreneurs are really good at, right? We're, we're future, we're forward, we're forward thinking. Visionaries, right? We're yeah. visionaries, right? We don't look at the past and dwell on it like, okay, I see the problem. And this is like, it's something that I've realized studying like the mindset of very successful athletes, uh, people, the highest level of their craft. Like, did you watch the, the documentary, The Last Dance? Michael no, Jordan? I don't think so. No. Oh, dude, you got. Oh, watch I did. That. I did actually watch a good so bit of that. Yeah, that good. was actually really good. I do remember so watching good. that. Yeah, I remember when I was watching it. Michael Jordan was saying how um, he doesn't dwell. Take. I don't know if it, if it was from this or from the book by Tim Grover. Yeah, relentless. Uh, what is it? Relentless. Relentless. That's yeah. What it is. I think that's where he was mentioning it. Michael Jordan doesn't take a lot of time, like criticizing himself of about how badly he performed and what he has to improve. He just spends an hour after the game, like, what can I be better at? And then he just focuses on, all right, bet, get better at this, get better at this. Don't dwell on what's not working because then you're giving your focus on what's not working, what's not right, instead of being grateful for what you do have and what you do want. Yeah, that's. A, I think that... Uh you're talking about a lot of points, which like, you know, you're using the words conviction. Um, and that's the same as stuff that the similar stuff that I've been always thinking about. Like I kind of grew up around people who had a real vict victim mindset. Yeah. And so it was always like, oh, this person did this to me, that person that blame, and I, right? And blame. Yeah. And I and I I forgot where I read it, but I, it was essentially it was essentially like whenever you do that, you're pretty much giving up 100% uh, control over yeah. a situation. You're just like, okay, this person is like, it's your fault that my life is bad. Yeah. And so you're saying there's nothing I can do about it at that point. You're justifying that identity you have. Yeah. I am like this because mom, dad, you treated me like shit. Yeah. Because you were abusive to me. And then you like, you know, it's kind of like a sensitive topic, obviously. But sure. Still, like, it, it's like you're justifying this identity and, and you keep yourself in this box by your outward projection. 
it's kind of crazy and we're getting into it right now, which I love. Like it is kind of crazy too. Cause even when I realized that I wasn't that person anymore, everyone around me still thought that I was that person. And this is actually really important to where I, if people are listening to this right now, when I first started seeing, like you had mentioned your buddy was making 10 grand a month. And when you're 19 years old, you're making 10 grand a month. Like you're a millionaire. Right. Yeah. And so I never felt more wealthy than when I first made $10,000 a month. Cause I was still comparing myself to the old me. Yeah. Right. But I'm living in my hometown and like I, I was making 10, 20, $30,000 a month. And, you know, no one around me is making anywhere near that amount of money. And um, I was trying to change who I was, but everybody else around me saw me as this person that they had always known. And so I actually had to remove myself from that environment in order for me, you know, I don't want to say, because I don't want to say it was their fault, because then once again, I'm putting that power in their hands. But I did recognize myself that for me to actually be able to change the conviction of who I know I am, I can't have all these external factors you telling me that I'm not You need a new environment. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because you can't grow in an old environment. It brings yeah. you back to your old patterns. And it's funny you mentioned that, because I remember like Christmas time, Homozi released this video. He was like, why don't go home for the holidays? And he was saying, every time I go home from the holidays, my parents are always fucking nagging me about shit and like make me feel like I'm this old kid. Like, hey, don't talk to me like that. I am not that guy anymore. Yeah. I am different now. And yep. that's why he says he doesn't go back home from, for the holidays. I think that also people will also compare themselves, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, to you. So let's say you have achieved a different level of success. And obviously, everyone has different definitions of success. But let's just say material success or financial success, as that seems to be the typical yardstick. Um, and people will then see that you have that, and then it will bring a larger... Uh, discrepancy in their mind of what they should be doing because you and I both grew up in the same town. Like what makes you so special rather than I? Mm -hmm. And so I think also what people will do is instead of admitting that that you must have done something that I didn't do, instead they're just like, oh no, that they're still this person that I knew way back when. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that also makes them They try to give you a nuggy. Exactly. You know what <laughs> I mean? They try to make you... Uh, and I'm not disrespecting anybody and like I'm not calling anybody out in particular, but I have noticed that. And so... Oh, your what, friends are like watching this. <laughs> well, no, I have some amazing people back home. But I will say that when I first left... I actually didn't come back for three years to my hometown. Right. Didn't see my mom or dad for multiple years. Like I just was like... Damn. I went from Florida, uh, traveled internationally for a year, and then ended up in California. And my mom was like... You can't get any further away from me. Why moving to California? And I'm like, you think? <laughs> I was like, there's a reason why I did that. But I do think that that's a huge part of that conviction play. And so the people that you have coming in um, and working with you, is it uh, like when, when you're talking about this transformation of their reality and their conviction, what are the problems that they are dealing with that they have to like – get that, that they have to now believe that they have the package notification that they need to go down there and get that package. What are those typical problems? Yeah. So the number one problem we see, and it always like fundamentally boils down to this is just a confidence problem. It's just a, a certainty problem. And that certainty problem prevents people from making decisions and sticking with decisions. And that's the biggest sin you could commit as an entrepreneur. You know this, right? Sure. It doesn't matter if you make, like what people don't understand is it doesn't matter if you make a bad decision because you can always learn from it. A bad decision for us is an uncertain, unwaver like a wavering decision. Yeah. Right? So any decision you make, you have to be certain about it. You have to follow through with it and see it through till the end. It's like if you start up a new campaign or something on, on ads, you can't just throw a little bit of money in it and be like, all right, this was a fluke. Yeah. You don't know. You don't have enough data to be able to con conclusively say that. So that's the problem we're seeing. Like, with entrepreneurs who start off like with people, like they try different business strategies to, to they're like, all right, I'm going to try e-commerce now. I'm going to try trading. I'm going to try coaching. Like, oh, none of this shit works. 
You know, it's it, it's it's that. That's the problem. That's not the problem. The problem you're not admitting is your it's it's your focus. It's not you. You're not damaged. It's just you're focusing on something that's keeping you here. So the way in which we do this is it, it's it's a slow process, right? Um, what we talked about that that unwavering conviction it comes through years and years of you living up to your word, you showing yourself, hey, I said I was going to do this and I did this. Therefore, I am this person. I respect myself. But people don't have that because they have been living through someone else's orders, right? They don't have confidence in themselves. And when you go to school, the teacher tells you what to do. Go to college, your professors tell you what to do. When you go to a job, your employer tells you what to do. When you're an entrepreneur, oh shit, I'm naked, I'm vulnerable. No one's telling you what to do. So that's that's literally, that, that's what we help people do. So it always begins with a soft process of, hey, let's focus on, let's get clear first on what we want. Because you will never get confident if you don't have clarity. Confidence is a byproduct of clarity. If I can clearly picture like what I want and I know the numbers, like if you say, hey, I want 10 strategy sessions, like 10 bookings a day. Well, let's reverse engineer that. How many YouTube views do I have to get to get this many, how many leads does that bring? How many leads brings me how many calls? So then I can say, hey, I just need this many views on my channel every single month. That gives me clarity. I have numbers. I just need to work on getting this many views, right? So that gives me that certainty of, hey. So is that what you're doing with people? Like, so walk me through a little bit of the process. You don't have to give away the secret sauce, but like someone listening to this right now and they're like, hey, that is me. I feel like I am. Like what Quasi is saying, I fall in this category. What are some of like the initial things that people can be doing in order to start gaining that clarity and gaining that conviction in order to be like, cool, I, I do deserve this. It's okay that I have this or mm-hmm. like, okay, what Quasi is saying makes 100% sense. Um, and I need to get to that end, that other side of this journey, this yeah. other side of this bridge. How do they get there? Yeah. So let's begin with just clarity, right? Okay. It depends on what situation you're at now, but I always believe you always have to have a longer term picture of what would make your life a fucking vacation. You know, what would, you, what would make your life an endless vacation that you don't, like, it's not a means to an end. It is the end. What is the end? And you're living in a continual vacation every single day. What does that look like? Who are you with? Who are you being? What are you doing every day? Uh, what do you have? All of these things. You define all of these variables. And how, do and how does it, it make you feel? Written down on a paper? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we do this, um, we have this clarity, like a defining worksheet where we do what, why, and who. What do I want? Why do I want it? So we get both intellectual and emotional clarity and who it is I've got to become in order to achieve that. Because every single change we see in our lives is a result of who we become, right? So once we define that, then the how and when start to show up. So what most people mistakenly do, uh, especially like beginner entrepreneurs, like people who are in corporate careers, like that's what I did, they immediately look at how. Okay, I think I want that. I'm not sure that I want that. How do I get there? And then they try different things with, with a lack of commitment. When is it going to show up? So that's, that's the number one mistake people make. So you just got to get really clear on what it is I want five, 10 years from now in the longer term, why I want it, and who it is I've got to become, who I'm being as I am living in that ideal scene. Is it okay for that thing to change? Over, like someone's listening 100%. right now, they're like, I don't know who, what I want in five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that okay for that to change? And it can be a vague picture right now, but the, the important part is you commit to something and you start. Because once you have that picture and you take diligent steps that you know to fully get you there, 
it's like the terrain gets clearer and clearer the more you walk the path. But you need to walk the path with, you know, complete certainty on, okay, this is what I know now. Because what most people focus on is, what do I not know? Okay, I don't know this. These are the uncertainties. What do you know? What do you have? What skills do you have that you can use? What are you passionate about? Not like what you don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, really quickly, if you're getting value out of this, please be sure to share it wherever you share things. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, your employees. Share it to somebody that you know needs to hear this message. We put an incredible amount of work into these videos and these episodes for you. And all I ask in return is for simply to share it to somebody else that wants to hear that or needs to hear this message. All right, let's get back to it. One of the things I struggled with earlier on in my entrepreneur career was I just wanted more. I wanted more, 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 more. And for me, it was just more, more, more money. And what I realized later on was that, okay, once I had enough money that I could pretty much purchase within reason anything that I'd really want, obviously it sounds cheesy, but it didn't bring me any kind of level of satisfaction. And what I realized was that, you know, it wasn't that having more didn't make me happy. It was that having more and not having to find what I wanted to do with the more was preventing me from being happy. So one of the first things I was talking about in this speech was like, the first thing I think everybody should do, it's so funny, is exactly what you talk about. I'm like, sit down and write out what does your life look like in three to five years? Who are you? Who's the person that's your partner? What are their qualities? What are your qualities? What do you own? What do you look like? Like, And I visualize this every single morning. And then... I also noticed as well, like some of the stuff that I had wanted were a lot. I'm like, oh, in 10 years, I'll have this stuff, right? Yeah. But then I have pretty much, I won't say everything that I want, but I have a lot of things that I wanted to knock off my list at around a $15,000 a month mark. You know what I mean? So it's like I was able to start enjoying things like flying planes and going on multiple vacations a month by defining this stuff a little bit early. So, but let's, let's say, okay, they listen to you here. They write this stuff down. They have a picture of who they want to be in five to 10 years. What are some of the next steps they should be taking in order to, to go from, okay, that's the vision of who I want to, this is who I am. Yeah. So we have four pillars that we use in our program that we focus on. The first pillar, we always begin with awareness and this is self-awareness awareness of everything around you and just keeping yourself centered beyond your perceived, like what you think you are. You know, like when I say, oh, this is my thought. It's not really your thought. It's not really your opinion. It is an opinion that is fleeting. It's going to come up today. It's going to go away tomorrow. The important thing is you don't identify with those. You identify consciously with what you choose to identify. Every single day we're wearing masks, right? But unfortunately, these masks are the ones that society told us to put on. We didn't even choose them right? So that's what we're trying to do in a, in a conscious way. But the way in which we can take these masks off is by realizing we're wearing a mask in the first place. So that's where awareness comes in. The next pillar is clarity, getting clear on all of these things, getting clear, having a clear picture of what life looks like, how it feels, who I'm being, all of that, like you mentioned. Then the third pillar is creation. That's when we begin to use the techniques of visualization, of um, affirmations, all of them to achieve basically one main outcome, getting a coherence between our mind and our heart, what we're thinking and what we're feeling. We just want to be able to see the picture and feel the picture. So we do two types of visualization. One is the goal visualization. And that begins when you don't know what you've got to do to get there. It's unclear the, the, the path between your current situation and your desired situation. If you keep picturing the desire, the 10 the year goal, whatever you have, then the next step slowly becomes clearer to you. Your subconscious mind, there's this thing called the reticular activating system. It starts to 
you know, get programmed with, okay, I am this person, I want this. Then you start to notice different things that were not in your worldview before. So that's, that's, then, then it gets kickstarted. Then you just simply move one step, one foot in front of the other, and you trust that everything is moving you towards that. And you've, it's funny, when you're describing all of this, it seems like a lot of work, but what people don't realize, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most of this happens subconsciously. 100%. It's all subconscious. Like, so even, and I remember um, Dr. Dispenza, yeah. he talks about something similar. The first time I listened to him, I started visualizing every single day. Yeah. And like my visualizations are like 10 years out. So it's not like I'm going to notice that in the next day that my life has changed, but it does make total sense that the way that your brain will work is like simply by creating this future in your mind and looking at it every single day and feeling it emotionally, you will subconsciously start to create and do what needs to be done in order to get you there. Right. And also the opposite is true. If you are, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, always thinking in scarcity and in lack and like right. I complaining. have this complaining, it's this person's fault, yep. then you're only going to perpetuate that further by your subconscious. Right. Self and by the way, all of those, like the complaining, the looking at what I don't have, it's a habit. Yeah. Right? We've just been accustomed to looking at what I don't have, not accustomed to looking at the glass half full. Yeah. Right? So optimism is a trained habit. So if we keep doing it enough, like over time, you just wake up one morning and it's like, oh my God, like everything's like, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, it's gratitude, I think yeah. is a train. And it, but it's it's so funny because like when I first listened to Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza, when he was talking about the habit side of things, because like you said, a lot of this stuff is a habit. It's not like you're a bad person and you're being mean to people. It's like you just have a habit of reacting this way. Yeah. And I was starting to think, where are my habits? And one of the habits I do have, two of the main, I guess one of the main ones is is a little bit of road rage, right? So like, you know, I, 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 I have a nice, beautiful Porsche. I love driving it. I that's love why driving you fly. Fast. That's yeah, why you fly. That's exactly. I got tired of driving, so that's why I got my pilot's license. But I, I have a little bit of road rage. And so like, I realized that, okay, it doesn't actually bother me when there's a little bit of traffic or when there's something that goes or someone walks in front of me. Like, But yet I inst like I have all the time in the world. Yet I instinctually am like, oh, what the fuck? I'll put my hands up. Yeah. And so like I brought that to my conscious mind. And like even when I was visualizing, I was like, okay, this is, I don't do this anymore. This is not what I do. Mm. And so now like I'll be in traffic and like, instinctually my hands will go up to be like what the fuck but I'll be like it's <laughs> fine I'll literally be like it's fine I'll keep do the guns down my girlfriend literally laughs at me because I'll be like it's okay I'm totally fine I'm not upset right now but it's literally years and years of ingrained habits and kind of going back to um, that mass thing that you said I also think I'm not blaming this on my parents but I'd also say it would be naive of me not to say that some of this stuff is acquired from the people that you spend the most amount of time with, which a lot of times are your parents, right? Yep, 100%. There's that. Um, there's also, in, in ancient yoga, they call it karmic influences from your past lives or your generational. But that's something you can't really directly control. So it doesn't even, like, there's no point discerning yourself with that, uh, concerning yourself with that, sorry. The, the main thing, like, anything that's environmentally acquired, you can totally make a change. You can, you can, like, you literally have everything you need to make all the change and achieve anything that you want. So you said you liked talking about it even back when you were, like, in 2017, when you were trying to figure yourself out, you are working this engineer job. So how did you, because I'm only kind of getting into it a little bit myself this past 12 months. Like, how did you decide, I really like this stuff? Was it just from reading books? Is it some kind of esoterical experience that you had? Like, how did you get into this world of being able to do this? Yeah, I think a lot of people um, kind of get shocked when I, 
just admit I've never had like any sort of like an esoteric experience. Yeah. Like I've never like hallucinated or seen anything or contact. You just haven't been doing the right drugs, man. That's I, 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 honestly, <laughs> I haven't. And honestly, um, I realized this like from the people I used to follow back then. I used to follow Sadhguru a lot. You okay. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was, he used to say like, um, you know, you don't want to take drugs to like induce that state because it's temporary. Yeah. What if you could, because think of what happens when we, take something that's um, a consciousness altering drug like cannabis, like marijuana, it releases THC. It, it stimulates the production of THC, which is already in our, in our body. We have an endocannabinoid system. So you could do that. If you could train your body, there's, there's yogis that can do that. I, I can't do that yet, maybe. <laughs> um, but there's yogis who can do this without having to take the drug. And what I've learned is when you take the drug, there's always a price to pay. When you drink alcohol, there's a price to pay the next day. You're, you're taking a debt. It's an energetic debt. Next day, you feel a little bit hungover. Even when I used to smoke weed like back in the day, um, I would, for the next three days, feel a little bit slower. And when you get like very aware enough, you can notice these differences. Yep. You know what I mean? So like a lot of people say they don't feel a difference. I definitely felt a difference. Like my sleep quality was different. My aura used to tell me that. Not, not to disrespect people that are listening to this, but I was telling Jack something really similar when him and I were in California. And, uh, you know, it's legal over there. And it was like the first time in a very long time that I decided to smoke some weed. And the funny thing is, is like when people tell me that I don't feel a difference, okay, I won't, I can't say that I know how other people feel. But yeah. in my mind, it's simply because you are not dialed in enough at your highest self that you would, that it just seems like regular, right? If yeah. it's like kind of already dull, yeah. then making a little bit more dull is not going to be a difference. But if you are motherfucking dialed yeah. and you're at the peak of your game, you're eating well, you're sleeping right, like you're taking care of your body, all that stuff. And then you put something like that into your body, tell me that you don't feel something. And that's right. exactly like what you said. Like for me, it was days afterward. I would be like waking up almost like Just with a, a little bit slower. Yeah, it was like Just a little softer. Like 1% slower. And my, and my brain was not processing stuff as yeah. fast as it would beforehand. And also for me at least, um, once again, I'm not putting this on anybody else, but for me, it would start this downward spiral a little bit where I was like, all right, I wake Willpower. up, I'm sleeping in a little bit later now because like, you know, I want to I'm not doing that extra rep this. at the fucking gym. Exactly. I'm going to eat a little bit of like maybe a pizza or something else yeah. because yeah. like I don't really want to cook some food right now. And so I think there's all these um, tertiary consequences that a lot of people don't take into account. And we're not, I'm not creating this podcast to be like mothers against drunk driving here, but I am just saying that I think that if you don't, um, work on yourself enough and get to a high performance state, then you won't feel a difference. And if yeah. you're listening to this right now, you don't feel a difference. It's probably because you're always in this kind of zone. And I think I, I really love what you said. I don't think I've been able to get to the point where I felt like I was high organically, like through like breathing or whatever. But I will say that a lot of the happiness that I quote unquote thought I needed when I was in college or in, in afterwards from drugs, I, I do just get it like for example, from flying my plane. Like I, I flew this morning right. and I was just You're like- You're in flow state. I was like, oh my God, it's I can't believe state. how amazing this is. Like exactly. there's just no way a drug could bring that to me. Exactly. I used to feel that way back in college when I used to socialize. I, I completely stopped drinking when I used to go out at night. And I would just like challenge myself to socialize with as many people and just completely um, overrule my thinking mind. Like just overwhelm the thinking mind just by going up to as many people as I can and just saying hi. And you don't even think about the next thing you're going to say. You're so in the moment, you you start to feel those like that feeling of flow. And by people, you mean women. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> um, I agree. And and also uh, to someone that's drunk, all of a sudden you're like this prophet because you're actually speaking clearly and you're talking very well. Yeah, but, and you don't have a hangover the yeah, next and, day. And, you, and that's <laughs> really what – so that party that uh, you came to at my yeah. house, I literally didn't drink. Like I, I would walk around with a Pellegrino and a glass with a lime in it just so people didn't ask me questions. But like yeah. – you know, and I and I just didn't need it to uh, – to be happy or like to be, I used to think that I needed it to socialize. And once again, these are all these learned behaviors yeah, yeah. that we have going back to kind of what we talked about in the very beginning. And it's like, okay, you need to have this in order to do this next step. And all it is is a habit, right? Yeah. So let's um let's kind of shift gears here a little bit. This yeah. has been awesome. I, I've been enjoying this so far. So one of the questions, I had another um, gentleman, like I talked about John on here, and I always love talking to people that are in the industry that you're in when it comes to the business side of things, right? Because- in my opinion, in our company, we're measuring like how do we get an ROI, like time to value first few days, like what is the ROI for someone joining, et cetera, et cetera. And for you, you have uh, you're in the situation where what are you marketing exactly? What is client success defined as, right? Like how do you know time to value? How do you define uh, the end state and the beginning state when somebody comes in here? So I always love speaking to people that are in your industry because I can kind of always learn something. I think you guys have it harder maybe than people like myself. So let's start with kind of the marketing acquisition side of things. Whenever, because um, I know there's a lot of people that struggle with this as well. Like, what do you sell on uh, the sales calls or what are you selling in the marketing? Is it like being a better you? Like, what do you do for them? Because most people want to be like, what is that tangible result? Correct. So how have you figured out a way to do that? Or like, how do you kind of package that in your marketing or sales materials? Yeah, so I basically, I've tried my best to make it as tangible as possible. But sure. the reality of it is, this is not a tangible outcome. Because we have some people who come in at 20K a month and then they go to like 400, 500K a month, right? We've had students who've done that. We've had other people who come in at zero and they don't know what they want. And then they figure out that they want to be a business owner and then they start up their own business and they're, you know, making six figures, which is great. So there's people from all walks of life coming in. But the main thing is, you know, our mission is to ultimately help every single human being on earth to master their destinies. Right? Because I was deeply frustrated with that feeling like my destiny was in someone else's hands and I wasn't in control of it. So that's what we try to do one way or another. And the best way I found to do that is entrepreneurship, targeting entrepreneurs. Because entrepreneurship puts you so vulnerable, so naked, just right there in the middle of the ocean. What are you going to do? But it also takes care of other areas of your life. If you're struggling with relationships, well, if you want to have a great business, you've got to fix your relationships. If you're struggling with health and your lifestyle, well, if you want to have a great business, you've got to fix your health and your lifestyle. So everything gets taken care of with entrepreneurship. And that's something that's like super, like super deep for me. What is the tangible? Like, so do you have case studies? Do you have like social proof? Whenever you would share, share, share social proof, what are some of the things that you do in order to share that? So like, what would be a transformation someone would have? Is it like the increase in revenue? Is it someone that's saying like, I feel better in my relationship with my wife? Like, right. what is that stuff that people Yeah, so saying? we look at like, all right, where were you before and what internal problems you, were you struggling with and what was your external world like in terms of revenue? So you're getting this and are you acquiring this from an onboarding form at the very beginning or are you asking this all together at the end once someone's received a transformation? So we look at, um, it depends how we do it. There's two ways in which we share um, transformations. One is in an interview. That's when we directly you know, talk to the person and ask them like, hey, where were you before? What was like life like before? Oh, I was struggling with this, this, and this. But another way in which we do it is once someone gets a transformation and shares a screenshot, like a, a testimonial in the group, and then yeah. we take a screenshot of it. Then we look back at their survey that they had initially before they joined us 
what, what did they write then? What were they struggling with then? What's it like now? So then we can show like a before and after and we can understand their situation. And does that before and after dictate some of the marketing materials that you create? Like yeah. we help people do X, Y, Z? Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Exactly. And uh, let's talk a little bit about client success. Something that I love talking about. I know you have, I was on your YouTube and your website, an amazing amount of like testimonials um, and screenshots on there. So yeah. someone that signs up with you, um, is it, onboarding call, onboarding form? Is it a mixture of one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching, course material? Like, what does that look like? How do you make sure that every single person that comes in sees the transformation that they came in for? Yeah, so we have four sort of pillars in which we provide the transformation. Okay. Which is, we have the curriculum, which is an online program. We have a community of other people where they can immerse themselves in this kind of environment because that's something I was missing and that's something that made a change for me when I was joining these online communities. And some people even form accountability groups, which is fantastic. Very cool. People with a common goal. Yeah. So there's community. There's weekly coaching calls that we have. These are group coach, coaching calls with me and my head coach. And lastly, there is that one-on-one -on -one optimization call that we do with a, with a head coach. And, you know, this can – it obviously depends on individual client needs. Some people, um, part of their offer, they get two. Some people, part of their offer, they get one. You know, some people choose to opt out of it and, you know, they feel like they can just use the material and get a sufficient transformation. But the key is we have lifetime access to everything. Very cool. We give our clients lifetime access. And the cool thing about that is even after someone's been in the community for like two, three years, they're still coming back and engaging. They're still saying, hey, my life was like, like yesterday I was talking to one of our clients, Tia. She was working 80 hours a week before joining us and she was like completely focused on the wrong things. She was just trying to like, so, you know, provide for her family and pay back her student loan debt. She was like in $150,000 worth of debt. Oh my gosh. After joining us within three years, she went from working 80 hours a week to having her own speech therapy business. And now she's doing 40 grand a month in it. Wow. Yeah. So like now she gets to spend more time with her kids. You know, now her mindset is different. She's focusing on different things. And for Tia, and, and maybe because uh, it's her personal life, I don't know if you want to share or not. What was the main thing that you guys did for her? Like, what was it? Was it like getting her clarity? Was it that conviction side? What was like the main thing you did for her that uh, allowed her to get it? It always boils down to your focal point. Like, what was she focusing on back then? She was focusing. She didn't have time to breathe or think. You know, she couldn't make those decisions, those tough decisions that she needed to make to cut one job out. Because she was focused on the wrong thing. She was like, she was on, she was in scarcity. Like, oh, if I quit this, then I won't be making as much money. Then I won't be able to pay back my debt. I'm focusing on what I don't want in the scarcity. Once we helped her shift that, she was much more comfortable and she had the tools to navigate herself through those tough waters, which was like the fourth pillar I didn't mention, um, coordination. Okay. We teach someone how to coordinate through those circumstances. When the doubts, when the old self rears its ugly head. What do you do? That's how we coordinate through all of this. And is that like, uh, is that like a, an exercise they do physically, mentally, whenever this it's stuff It's internal, internal tools. Okay. You know, it's like, it's how, so it's like one thing, I'll give you an example of what we do. And, um, you know, you can check this out. David R. Hawkins has a book on this. It's called Letting Go. So most people don't know how to handle their feelings. So then it becomes suppressed, repressed, starts to act out in psychosomatic ways, um, blood pressure, other, other ways in which you don't want it to manifest. So one thing we do is we teach them this letting go method, how you can deal with these feelings that are coming up. And my reaction to when I was stressed used to be 
escape it immediately. Escapism is, is a way of dealing with it. And when you escape it, it becomes suppressed and then repressed. And the way in which I would escape it is I would scroll through social media. Like if I'm feeling stressed, I would just scroll through social media. I would check my company accounts like Stripe and like Gmail, like, oh my God, like what's going on? Uh, or I would just turn on the TV instead of just sitting there and confronting and acknowledging this feeling that's coming up. If you can just like next time you feel stress or next time you feel something that you don't like, and it's bothering you, instead of running away from it, confront it. Just stay with that feeling. Acknowledge it and stay with it. You don't have to try to change it. You don't have to do anything about it. Just literally just sit there and stay with that feeling. And you'll notice that over time, that feeling gets lighter and lighter. And it evolves into the next feeling. And then that gets lighter and lighter. And then evolves into the next feeling. And then you just get progressively lighter. So what we've been taught to do like, and I think social media is like a big problem nowadays. We start like, we see someone's life and we use that as a yardstick. It's like, oh, this person is living Lamborghinis, Richard Mills and all of this. Like I should want that and I should have that. When in reality, everyone's individual and unique and something else was meant for you. That wasn't meant for you. So, you know, that comparison gives people a lot of anxiety and like puts up a lot of these feelings. Like, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I think one of the greatest things that I did in the past, man, 30 days is uh, my girlfriend was talking about this app. It's called OneSec, uh, O-N-E-S-E-C. Mm-hmm. And what it does is you click on Instagram. I was showing my buddy Jeff this at dinner the other night. And it will literally pull up uh, – uh, instead, it pull up Instagram for half a second. Then it'll flip over to this app. And it'll make you count to 10 seconds. It says take a deep breath. And at the end of the 10 seconds, it says do you still want to really open Instagram? Because going back to I think the theme what we're talking about here is those learned habits. Yep. A lot of times you're pulling up Instagram too it is subconscious right like and your brain might even think okay i have this stressful situation uh this thing instagram brings me hits of dopamine immediately without Mm -hmm. doing anything let me immediately pull up my phone and go on instagram and get these hits of dopamine and so oh my god my screen time and i really didn't go on instagram too much previously i've always tried to stay away from it but once again habitually i knew i was going back to it and now i'm on it once every three four days now it's it's insane and like you said there are certain people that i would watch you know even at my level where i would see the stuff that they were doing and i'd be like oh man that person has it they're doing everything right and it makes you doubt your marketing strategy like oh should i be I doing, should be that? doing this instead right. and so Crazy, then, like man. even before i put that app in i would start muting people and all of a sudden i was like just happier. Like literally, yeah. I, I totally, and I think that yardstick thing is so true. And people listening to this probably also know this, but it's just unbelievable. It's one thing knowing it. It's another thing like really knowing and like yeah. feeling it in your bones. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then going on the other side of it too. And then seeing like, yeah. like I see what I used to do now. Yeah. Like, and I only am able to see this now based on where I'm at. But you know, I, the saying is you can't see the forest through the trees. And I think like previously I could talk about it, but now being where it's at, it's like, oh wow, I cannot believe I'd spent years of my life doing that. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk about your team a little bit right now. So uh, how many people are on your team? One person. You? Me and another person. No way. Yeah, full-time. Full-time. But I have a lot of contractors. Okay, got it. And um, for the contractors, what kind of categories do they fall in? What do they do for you? Like, uh, one person is amazing at the numbers that you're at right now, but I'm kind of curious, like, what do the contractors do for you and why aren't they full-time? So um, that's a good question. I have a YouTube team. Okay. So they basically do everything start to finish. I just make the video, send it to them. Got it. Um, And I've been working with them for the past year and it's been really good. Like thumbnails, videos, like everything's seen an improvement. Um, And then I have an email guy. He sends me like however many emails I want for the next week. And he just thinks of creative ways. I just work with him to make those. 
um, I have a video editor like anytime I need to make new ads or something. Then uh, I film it and I send it to him. And the one full-time guy I have, he's like a manager. You know, he's he's a godsend. Like he he's a fucking genius. Like he takes care of everything. Um, he does the sales, the enrollment calls. He does the coaching and the clients love him and the clients get really great results. And he manages the community. He takes care of other administrative tasks so I can focus on just content, you know, like um, running and operating the business, forward-moving projects. Where, where did you find that uh, that guy? It was a referral. Okay. Wow. It's funny. Was, I've always found best people through referrals. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, like we'll build hiring funnels for our clients yeah. in order to get people from their email list organically, from uh, paid advertising even. Like we run Facebook ads to acquire client success managers mm. um, because our best client success managers are previous business owners. Right. So I literally run ads to the same people that I'm running ads to acquire clients for. I'll run this a different ad to hire someone to be a client success manager, right. which is pretty interesting. But um, I'm always curious how the team structure is set up. And like, based on where you're at right now, to get to the next goal for you, which I don't know what that is, do you have the current team that's going to take you there? Do you think there needs to be a hire that has to come into place? Um, to get to that next level, possibly. But it, it could do without. Like I could do without it for now. Just, just that next level. What was what was one of the hires saving the, uh, the your your right hand person, the one that's doing the client success, all that? What was another one of either the contractors or somebody else that someone's listening to this right now and they either love your YouTube stuff or they love everything you're saying right now? Like, what is that one of the hires you made that made your life a lot easier that you wish you did a lot sooner? The YouTube, I knew you're the YouTube say that. team. The YouTube team. Yeah, because I was doing everything on like I was doing the editing, the the thumbnail, and the releasing, like the timing and the research and all of that. Yeah. I was doing everything. So do they bring you content ideas? They do. They bring me content ideas. I actually like to be more involved in it. Okay. You know, like to keep my finger on the pulse. Sure. So now I'm like, I'm looking a lot more at it too. And like we collaborate. The, the greatest thing about that was I have someone to collaborate with, which then gets the creative juices flowing. Like, oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do that. I never had that before. It's just me like, all right, I should make a video on this. All right, fuck it, let's do it. Got it. Yeah. Epic, epic episode, dude. I yeah. really appreciate you being on here, man. Thank you so much. I learned quite a bit, both on the business side, but a lot on the mindset, like the conviction side of things. If someone's listening to this right now and they want help with that, either A, they love your accent and they love uh, the way you talk, or B, they uh, want to learn a little bit more about like what your program does and how it works. What's the best place that people can find you or learn more about you? Yeah, the best place to find me would be realitycreator.com. If you just go on our website, you know, everything's there. Um, you can access our YouTube. I would definitely suggest getting started with the YouTube. Um, just checking some of the stuff out. Use the free stuff, you know, and actually get value. And then if you want to, you know, go to the next level, you want to work closer together, then you can obviously go to the website and schedule a call with us. Beautiful. Awesome, guys. I appreciate all of your time. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode.